Dude, you don't want to get messed up with those broads. They'll drink all your booze and stab you. He cackled and slapped the taller, lanky friend beside him in the gut. Their cacophonous laughter echoed harshly. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, because we have a lot of you at this school, the board wants us to try something called restorative justice. Whatever that means. What the hell is that supposed to mean? It means what I said it means. What's your problem? This is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek. This is our homeland, and we are honored to have so many people from different backgrounds here. Hi, hello, and welcome to the V-Zone, and today I'm going to be telling you guys about an awesome short story I read, so make sure to stay tuned. My name is Varsha, as you all know, but if you're new here, please go make sure to check out all my other podcasts. So in my last podcast, I talked about Indigenous oppression and the timeline and all that. So today, I'm going to be connecting the short story I read to all those things. And this story is so good. It's called Undercover, written by Wab Rice. And I need you guys to read this story because it's a really good source to have to learn about indigenous people and have awareness about them. So basically the summary of this story is that an Anishinaabe kid is a new kid at this new school and he encounters a lot of racism, especially from a white boy who decides to yell racial slurs at him. And so they both get into a fight and they get sent to the principal's office. And from there, the principal's like, I need to send you guys to this session circle thing. And they go to the circle and there's an elder and they get to talk about um, the stuff they've been through and all that. But I'm not going to reveal the ending right now. So please make sure to listen to this whole podcast so you can know about the ending. So the main uh, three main reasons why I love this story is because it talks about resistance, it talks about oppression, and it talks about resilience. So first off, it talks about resistance. So I have a quote to go with this. So listen. Dude, you don't want to get messed up with those broads. They'll drink all your booze and stab you. He cackled and slapped the taller, lanky friend beside him in the gut. Their cacophonous laughter echoed harshly. I inhaled deeply to ponder how to respond. I wanted to punch him in the face. What the hell is that supposed to mean? I asked with a low, stern inflection. His smile straightened out and his eyebrows lowered. His chest puffed out. It means what I said it means. What's your problem? Why do you got to be a dick like that? I took a step forward. Don't tell me you got a thing for those for them wagon burners. He chuckled slightly, and that's the last thing I remember before I went after him. So this quote, obviously, as you can hear, it has a lot of racial slurs um, that the white boy is directing to the Anishinaabe boy. And this quote shows oppression because the white boy thinks it's okay for him to use racial slurs against the Anishinaabe boy and his community. And also, side note, um, this story does not um, mention the protagonist or antagonist names. Um, so that's something good because you can create a sequel the author can create a sequel with their names and different perspectives so that just creates more suspense so there is oppression because of the white privilege but more than that there's resistance because the anishinaabe boy showed resistance to the comments he didn't just stand there taking in all the comments 
just like in the Kanesataki resistance, they built a barricade and they were resisting the government from expanding the golf course on their cemeteries. They're like, nope, I'm not going to let you build stuff on my land. And the same way the Anishinaabe were here is like, nope, I'm not just going to stand here listening to all the bad things you're saying about me and about my community. I'm going to fight back. And that's exactly what he did. But what if the roles were reversed? If the Anishinaabe boy was rude to the white boy, the consequences would be so different. He would maybe be expelled or suspended from the school. And this is an issue that we really need to combat in this society. So the second thing I would like to talk about is oppression. So I have another quote to go with this. It still festered in my head though. I felt the blood simmer in my forehead and at the back of my neck. No matter how stoic my expression, I could never hide those emotions. That's because I'm fair. I look like a white kid. My mom, is, my mom is Anishinaabe and my dad is white, but I look more like my dad. My whole life, no one has ever believed me when I tell them I'm Native. So this is like internalized racism and like internalized stereotyping as to what an Anishinaabe person is supposed to look like. And in the story itself, they tackle this issue. And the elder talks about this issue when she says, we get caught up in how we're supposed to look or how we're supposed to talk. Because of that, we make judgments about others without ever really knowing anything about them. She looked at me, then to my fellow Pugilist across the circle. That's not the Anishinaabe way, she continued. And it's not the Canadian way. Heck, it's not the human way. I hear people talking these days about how much native blood they have or how much they powwow dance or how many sweat lodges they've been in. But it's not a competition. We didn't think this way before. When the settlers came and split us up, they pitted us against each other. So this is the elder speaking in the circle in the session. And she talks about the oppression and how settlers pitted them against each other. And because they were oppressed by settlers, there was conflict. And I think that conflict is what um, caused in the internalized racism. So during the Seven Years' War, indigenous people had to side with the British or the French, de depending on the relationships they had. So if they were trading with the British, they would go with the British. And if another indigenous community was trading with the French, they would be with the French. And they were pitted against each other like that. And if you didn't trade with anyone, you would just be in the middle. So that's how they were like put against each other. And even if they had a friendship with uh, the British or French, like with the Churro Wampum, they all turned against them because of the royal proclamation that suggested that all land would be indigenous land until seated with the treaty. So the settlers are like, yeah, we need all this land. So we need to start making treaties with indigenous people. And it's not like indigenous people knew like, oh, yeah, so they're going to take our land. So we're just going to let them. They deceived them into signing the treaties. And I think that's what's the very sad part. And that's what's really cunning of the settlers. And because of these treaties, they had to pay the um, indigenous people. And that's what caused the quote unquote Indian problem. So I feel like this story talks a lot about um, internalized stereotyping and racism that was caused by conflict and settlers. And the last thing it talks about is resilience. The whole story, well, some of this story represents resilience because this whole circle, this whole session represents resilience because each indigenous person there gets to have their voice. And you know how they say when you talk about it, you feel better? So they get to talk about their traumas and what they've been through to come out of it. And I feel like this same type of thing was in the 
film in Beijing where there was a pipeline blockade on unceded um, Wet'suwet'en territory, and they had healing centers for people to have a safe space with their own people. So I feel like that's what um, was demonstrated in this um, in this story too. So in a few seconds, we're going to have a special guest on our show so they can tell you more about what they thought about the story undercover. So stay tuned. Okay, so we have a really special guest on our show today. Her name is Zainab, and she has also read the same story. And well, I asked her to read it because she's a guest. Um, but let's welcome Zainab on the show. Hi, Zainab. Hi, hi, Varsha. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So, what did you think of the story undercover? Okay, I thought it was really good. I was reading it, and like when I first pull up the book, I'm like, oh, it's 14 pages. How am I like? I was like, oh God, I have to read this now. But like. I was reading it and I was like, okay, like well, next page, next page. I was getting so into it because I don't know, like something about the story just kind of keeps you like in and interested, like what's going to happen next and everything. Like, <laughs> and it had such a sweet ending too. Like it was just like, I, I'm reading it and I'm just like, I find myself smiling at the end of it. Like some parts I'm just like riled up, like maybe I should fight someone. And then at the end yeah. I'm kind of like really reading this and I'm like, I just feel really happy. Like my heart's just like, yeah. oh, this is so cute. At the end, it's like a perfect boat. And it also, it's like kind of the message that like your shifting can change. Like mm -hmm. even if you thought something in the beginning, like once you learn about something at the end, you could like be like, oh my God, well, maybe I didn't think of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of like you learn from your experiences and you continue to like educate yourself, which is like what we saw. Like it proves that people can change if they're really given the opportunity. Like that made the, um I don't want to say bully, but the, guy that he kind of like fought over time you can see that he realized what he did was wrong and I think that was really important for his like character development and shows at the end that he like mm -hmm. wanted to learn and I think that was just really amazing to show that people can change yeah I agree so what was your favorite part of the story my favorite part okay so there was one part specifically that really stuck with me and it was when the elder came in for like the circle and they talked about how yeah the way um one of the the main characters didn't really feel like he belonged in the community because of the way his uh skin color was and also his parents one of his i think his father was white right mm -hmm. yeah so and his mother was anishinaabe so he felt like he didn't really belong in the community because he was kind of like white passing he looked like any other like white kid so the elder <laughs> explained to him how like this isn't the anishinaabe way like this isn't like the human way overall he she hears people talking about how they don't have enough native blood or they just don't be belong because they don't know like a powwow dance or how many sweat lodges they've been in and it's just it shouldn't really be a competition because they didn't feel this way before it was after the settlers came and kind of split mm -hmm. them up and pit pitted them like against each other yeah yeah i had like the same quote in like before like before you mentioned it i took up the same quote and i interpreted it as like internalized racism because like mm -hmm. even i've experienced it i've had people come up to me and be like hey you don't even look like your ethnicity yeah. like, have you ever had that before yeah that's happened to me a lot like i feel like with um beauty standards in pakistan it was mostly like you have to have pale skin and like seeing my mm -hmm. mom like my mom has very pale skin and then i have like my dad does like his very tan skin so like growing up i would always have like people be like you don't look like you're muslim you're too like 
dark for this and I would just feel like I would have to like somehow change my skin color like that mm-hmm. light in it like I don't know how that would be possible but I thought that's the only way I could kind of be like um Muslim and like kind yeah. of look like I was my mom's daughter you know yeah and like that's how like society is like working right now and I feel like this mm-hmm. is like an issue like we need to talk about in society but yeah. whose story do you think was better because I know you oh. read another story <laughs> story that I think was okay well I really like my story a lot just because I here's the thing I don't want to like just be like oh, my story is better because I'm kind of biased it's my story you know I want to win yeah. but I I like I think your book was really good I re- I found it really interesting like seeing it was 14 pages and I was able to get through all of it in like less than half an hour and just actually be super interested like I genuinely feel like your book was really great it's a great competition like I, I just want to say I feel like Totem is genuinely a really good book. I really no. like how I really I like. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I just really like how in my book they use like you kind of have to read between the lines, but like your book was really good. Like I like the story. I like how it ended and everything. Yeah, I know. I've heard about your book too. Um, I know that your book has like um, internal like meanings, and I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to reading your book. Um, oh yeah, but. Yeah, um, I also I'm also biased. I think my book is better, but I haven't read yours <laughs> yet, so we'll see about that. But thank you so much for joining me of on course. my podcast, and um, I'll probably call you again as a guest because you're such a good guest. But <laughs> thank you. Okay, so um, thank you so much for joining us. Unfortunately, it is time to wrap this podcast up. So you guys should definitely go read that story because this story is really important to understand the perspective of Indigenous children and Indigenous people. And this story has elements of oppression, resistance, and resilience. And the last two are very important to learn about because Indigenous people are not extinct. They are still fighting today. And this story, um, I also told you that I'd tell you what happened at the end, um, but I think Zainab kind of gave it away. But um, I have a quotation to tell you what happened at the end. I'm sorry I said those things, he said. I'm sorry I lost my temper and started a fight, I said. Can we have a do-over? I want to learn. For sure. He held out his hand and I gripped it firmly. He squeezed back. So this is what happens at the end after the circle, after this, after this session, um, they both um, make up. And I think this is one of the main takeaways from this whole story is that your thinking can shift. Your thinking can change. The white boy at first, he was throwing out racial slurs and he didn't have education about indigenous people. But once he went to the circle and he listened to the experiences of each and one of those indigenous people at that circle, he had more education about them. He had more perspective about them. And then his thinking shifted. I think that's something we all need to learn is that we could think something now, but once we have more education about it, our thinking can change for the better or even for the worse, but mostly for the better. So I think you guys should definitely read that story for that. But thank you so much for now. And we'll discuss this in upcoming podcasts as well. So thank you so much for joining me. And I'll see you on another episode of The V-Zone.